0: I'd like just to turn back to First uh, Corinthians chapter 11 and look at this passage, which uh, is the kind of classic, <clears throat> the classic passage for uh, why we celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord, from verse 23, what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me and all uh, that goes with that. And uh, we know that the reasons that were given here, uh were not just for Corinth but they're for the whole church and they're for us as well. And it's important again for us to remember the context in which uh, Paul gives this uh, Holy Spirit inspired advice to the church. They had love feasts in Corinth uh, which, uh, they, where they celebrated the Lord's Supper but uh, things had gone badly wrong. They were Uh, They couldn't be more unlike uh, our celebration of the Lord's Supper, really, in many ways. Uh, Even when they were done uh, with the right motives and in the right way, they were very different. They they were genuine meals. They were coming together. They were probably much more informal uh, uh, than uh, we know and we experience. But things had gone wrong. Uh, when they first started happening in the congregation, they were great times of unity and blessing and closeness. Uh, the gospel had turned the world of these people upside down. And uh, the social um, the social stratas and the social classes uh, in Corinth, which were very strong, were all being broken down so that rich people and poor people, free people and slaves... Jews and Gentiles, men and women, were coming together at this feast and celebrating that they belonged to the same family, that they belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. That there was this radical transformation, and they were part of a new kingdom, a new society, a new community. And while it was all in its kind of uh, uh, very early Uh, prototypical stages as it were, this was uh, what Christ had come to do, to break down barriers and to bring people together. And a symbol of that was this union and communion together at the Lord's Supper. But as time went on, things were going wrong with the celebration of that Lord's Supper, which was, remember, a sacrament which was related to the Passover in the Old Testament. And uh, what was happening was they were coming together on the Lord's Day and the people who were well-to-do, who were rich, they were kind of luxuriating. They didn't have work to go to. They didn't have things to do. So they were gathering early in the day and they, were, they, just, they just ate their meal. They started really enjoying the feast. And they weren't waiting for, for example, the slaves who had to work all day on the Lord's Day and who could only come to gather together at the end of the day when all their work was done. And so that there was disunity because, you know, uh, Paul says, you know, there's divisions among you. You know, what are you doing when you come together? Some of you eat, some of you have already eaten, some uh, of you have drunk too much. You know, they were there all day and they were getting drunk. Everything was wrong about it. There was cliques and uh, everything that it had come to do, everything that it had come to symbolize was slowly disintegrating because they were going back to... uh, Unspiritual ways of of celebrating and, and doing things. They weren't coming together. They were doing it lightly. They weren't thinking about what it meant. They weren't thinking about the cross. They weren't thinking about what Jesus has done. And they were just going ahead and, and not caring for one another. And one was eating and drinking while the others weren't hadn't arrived. And things had all gone wrong. You know, one remains hungry. Another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Am I going to please you? For No, I'm not pleased. And so he gives these instructions about what the Lord's Supper is about. And we we look at them briefly for us. And what's hugely significant in the context and for us is communion. Is that they were coming together. And if you flick back in your Bibles to chapter 10 and verse 16 and 17, he says... Uh, "...is not the cup of thanksgiving which we give a participation in the blood of Christ, and is not the bread that we break a participation or a communion in the body of Christ, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, and we partake of the one loaf." So there's this sim- symbolism that the Lord's Supper was all about communion. It was all about coming together. With well, the New Testament word is koinonia, uh, which is the word that we get uh, for Communion. Uh, and it's also part of the word of communicate. I'll say a little bit about that. But there's this great coming together in partnership and in fellowship. And so the Lord's Supper and what the Lord came to do was to remind us that we're in um, the Lord's work together. And we celebrate the communion together. That's why in, in, in free church tradition it's called very often the communion that we uh, celebrate. The Lord's Supper. A sacrament. It's a communion. It's a, it's a coming together. And uh, in the old days, uh, the elders would find out how many people had communicated on any given Sunday. And that doesn't literally mean that he, they were finding out who'd talked to one another. It's just that old-fashioned use of the word communion, who had taken part in the communion service, who had communicated it that way. And that is hugely significant, isn't it? It's, it's more than just a bare remembrance service because we are in fellowship with one another in the sacrament and in fellowship with Christ. We're one body and we part- participate in the blood and in the body of Christ and he is with us. And isn't it great that that same communion, that same communication links in with Christ being the word who speaks to us that we looked at last week? And that um, genuine communication is not about is about is about relationship, is about fellowship with God. It's not just about God blasting truth down at us and us not listening, or um, God wanting fellowship with us and us has not been in fellowship with Him. Genuine communion, genuine communication, genuine conversation is always between people who are listening to one another and who are in relationship with one another. Otherwise, it's just, you know, see the hand. And so there's this sense in which it reminds us of um, this communion we have with God uh, through Jesus Christ, that that's what his death has come to do for us. It's come to bring into us into relationship with God again through Jesus Christ. And there's a blessing in that, and a blessing that we remember. Each time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's about fellowship, it's about communion, it's about participation in in, uh, believing and in following Jesus Christ, and it is about communion uh, with one another uh, because of what he has done. This is a really significant element of the Lord's Supper, very significant element that we do so together. And it's there to help us uh, each time we celebrate to realign our lives along that lines, that we realign ourselves in fellowship and communion with Jesus and with one another in Christ. Hugely significant in the context of what this is given to us in, where there was division, where there was separation, where the church was living like they weren't Christians. There was division and separation. It's not optional. It's not allowable. It's not just, well, shrug our shoulders. That's just, well, it's just what way we are. We come together under Jesus Christ and there's union. So the sacrament is a, a, this communion, this fellowship, but it's also a sense for us of light and darkness. That, for me, today is very relevant. And I'll hopefully say a little bit more about that tonight, about suffering and the, and just the, the complexity of, of living in a world of darkness. But, you know, Jesus says to Paul when he gives this instruction to him to give to the church, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks. So it's on the night he was betrayed. And there's this, you know, God, Jesus in glory when he speaks to Paul and Paul uh, goes into heaven to receive these things and, and comes back. He's, Jesus reminds him, he says, it was on the night he was betrayed. So it was in... It was in this, you know, what does Jesus say in the upper room? He says, this is, dark, this is the hour of darkness. This is darkness' finest hour. And yet in the midst of that darkness is the revelation of Christ's greatest victory. And uh, there's, a, there's a real sense in which the Lord's Supper, our salvation, and our communion is in the midst of darkness as well. You know, we can't forget that reality that we eat the Lord's Supper in dark, in, in surrounded, as it were, uh, in spiritual battles and darkness and struggle. And very often we'll come to the Lord's table and we're battered and we're tired and we're opposed and we're failed And we're struggling with darkness and we're struggling with circumstances and we're struggling with loss and we're struggling to understand why God allows certain things to happen. And at times like that, the Lord's Supper is there to take us into the inner courtroom of the king, to the place where he says, I have won the victory. It's not escapism, it's not a pretense that battles and struggles and difficulties and uh, brutality isn't a reality in our lives. But it's to remind us that that ultimate victory has been won. And there's not meaninglessness and randomness in the darkness that we face. It was on the night he was betrayed. And uh, it was also the night of the Passover. And again, there's a tremendous significance. We haven't had time to to look at that today. But there's that great significance of linking the heart of the Old Testament, this great institution of Passover, with the Lord's Supper. And the symbolism from the Old uh, applying to the New, the fusing of the two together. And the the Passover speaks of rescue from the Old Testament. It speaks of the rescue of of the people of God from darkness and from slavery in Egypt uh, by the covering of blood on the door lintels of the lamb to that place where uh, they are set free. And it's on that basis that they are redeemed. And there's that constant reminder to us today as we come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper And to remember his death, but also until he comes because he's resurrected. That there's this need we have of a redeemer. That uh, there is judgment on sin. And sin is either judged on the sacrificial substitutionary lamb of God. Or we remain those on whom the judgment lies. Hugely significant. Hugely important words from the creator of the universe, the redeemer, that he says that our salvation is based on his shed blood poured out covering us, his righteousness covering us. And so he goes on to say that this is my body which is for you. So each time we take the bread, uh, we're reminded of that, that Jesus came uh, as uh, we have the symbolism of the bread that Jesus came bodily and gave himself bodily on the cross as a true human and true God on our place. The totality of his being, "This is my body, this is me that dies on the cross. God wh- Whatever else we struggle with, we recognize that it is God who uh, gives himself uh, to us. And there's this picture of, uh, you know, the one loaf that we break. Now, sim- there's a lot of symbolism in, in the way we do things. But, uh, you, you know, ultimately it's this, this idea. Uh, and probably it would be nice just to even get back to that visual imagery again now. If I'm better organized, I'll do that. Just to have a loaf of bread that we break. Uh, to remind us of the... That this is... I think there, there's there's two things. There there may well be a sense in which it speaks of his brokenness. Because we know that while not one of his bones was broken on the cross, we also know that he was battered and bruised. And in in his humanity, he was absolutely uh, physically destroyed uh, in many ways in the cross. But I think the, the breaking of bread speaks also of sharing the one, sharing the Christ. That we all share. And I think in the context that's more powerful. It's in the context of the people being divided. And you, so he says you divide the bread in order to show your, your unity. It's Christ who was broken. And Christ who was, uh, took our sin upon himself. So that we are united and that we are one. And we share that. So the bread goes round us all. And we share that. We share that uh, recognition of Christ. And we take that and we recognize that uh, uh, he gave himself in all of his being in a way we can never truly understand for us. And he says, this is my body which is for you. I, don't know I feel I'm getting shot here every time that happens. Isn't it? it must be a loose connection is it? Not in my head. Although that may be the case. This is my body which is for you. Okay. Great words. Now, It's not easy for us in our understanding of the english language sometimes to see the difference it's for you plural it's for you in other words see, this is my body which is for you the church it's for all of god's people it's in the context of unity it's in the context of church it's in the context of a people of a kingdom of a people together and he says this is for you these are the best words that any Christian hears, because it is also for you as an individual. There's the, the, the double entendre, as it were, the double meaning here is that it is, of course, for all and it is for all in unity but it is also, this is what I've done for you and there's this great recognition that we sit at the table, we share the bread and the wine, we pass that on but we take it individually. And eating, as I've said many, many times before here, eating is an individual act. People, others, People can't eat for us. We've got to eat for ourselves to get the nourishment and the blessing. I mentioned that last night uh, when we looked at Proverbs about, you know, looking after your heart because it's the wellspring of your life. No one else can look after your spiritual condition apart from you in relationship with God. But we do also recognize the huge significance of doing so together to support and uplift one another. We're not just random individuals walking this life with a kind of personal private relationship with Jesus that no one else knows about and no one can touch or talk about. We're people together. And the Lord's Supper is all about that. And there's so the symbolism of the bread and there's the symbolism of the wine after the supper. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The wine... Symbolizing his life poured out, you know, not quite so significant to us in our culture and our background and in our sophistication and our advancement, but, you know, blood blood being symbolized in wine, a hugely significant thing in these days where blood so clearly symbolized for us life, life for life, speaks of substitution, speaks of atonement, speaks of his life being poured out in our place greater love has no man than this so he laid down his life for his friends god's wrath just and justifiable wrath against sin being poured out on himself as the redeemer and we acknowledge that, that our hope is in jesus our hope is in christ our hope is in what he has done and that we Uh, As believers, I've entered this great covenant. You know, this is a new covenant in my blood. Covenant, such an important uh, aspect, such an important emblem throughout the the Bible of God's, God's sovereign coming into our lives and making promise, making covenant with us, determining to save us, determining to love us. And the whole theme of covenant, uh, rising throughout the bible and uh, you have these great words in jeremiah uh, prophetic words in jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 31 and in verse uh, 31 where he says you know uh, the time is covenant coming when i will make a new covenant with the house of israel i will put my law on their minds and write on their hearts i will be their god they will be my people from the greatest to the least, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This great new covenant, sealed in the blood of Jesus, fulfilled in him, and we are the fulfillment of that, and it will be even greater fulfillment of it yet when we join with him in glory. A covenant that speaks of freedom, forgiveness for our sins, that speaks of God being with us, Emmanuel, God in our hearts, a personal God and uh, a co- covenant and a committed God and we look at life and we look at uh, the darkness in the light of the light and in the light of the fact that we are encouraged to walk in the light even though we struggle with so many different things in this world and with the inexplicable sufferings that some people go through so we remind ourselves just as we close uh, of the importance of the Lord's Supper and the simplicity of it the simplicity of the way he gives us this symbolism it's very simple isn't it bread and wine you'll be invited to sit at this table with us we kind of sim- again symbolically we don't really have a table that we do it uh, we mark out uh, the middle here I hope there's enough room for everyone if there's not then we can sit at the sides uh, but it's nice even symbolically to be coming as much as possible together sitting together and uh, remembering the significance of that and as we do so we need to also always remind ourselves that the context of the communion of the Lord's Supper is not only in uh, Union and communion and fellowship with one another. But it's also in the context of individual self-examination in our lives. You know, so that uh, a man, a person ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. So there's this great recognition that self-examination matters in the kingdom and in the participation. Uh, Because he says, you know, if we drink the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner we will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of Christ. And that doesn't mean that we can drink uh, unworthily as if somehow we work up a merit in and of ourselves to participate. It means that we just are participating in a way that is not worthy of our Lord and Savior who has died for us. In other words, we are maybe uh, participating in the kind of Doing the kind of things the Corinthian church was doing. Divided. Gossiping. Separate. Gluttonous. Drunken. Whatever it is that we're doing that is separate and, and not understanding the significance of a unity. Uh, coming ritualistically as if somehow it's just something we do, a religious ritual. Doing, coming unforgiven. Bitter, cold. He wants us to recognize the need for repentance and for coming to the Lord's table with grace. You know, when we don't, we'll be weak, he says, and sick. And we'll spiritually be asleep. Because he asks us to rattle our cages spiritually through this and say, look, stop judging others. Stop looking at the mistakes and the failures and the weaknesses of others. Stop using that as a means of justifying your own behavior. He says, come together in unity because this is a new kingdom. This is a new citizenship. This is a new family that is governed by grace and by the ethics and morality of Jesus Christ. So do so with discernment, you know, for anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment. So we need to rec- we need to be discerning. We need to understand what we're doing. Recognize it's not s- cheap, but it's significant. And uh, may it be that that is how we participate today in the Lord's Supper. So can I challenge you today if you're not a Christian to not participate in the Lord's Supper if you're not a Christian uh, because you don't discern the significance and you haven't put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But can I ask you to consider him and consider that his sacrifice is unchanging and it is Absolutely, there as an offer for every single living human being, because there is no other way and there's no other salvation. So, we have this great, significant offer, even in the most intimate of Christian sacraments, there's an offer to come to faith and to do your business with the Lord Jesus Christ, your Creator, your Redeemer. And your judge. And also for us as Christians to consider our spiritual health. Are we sick? Are we weak? Have we fallen asleep? Are we spiritually far from God? Sometimes we just get so far down that road that we think, oh man, it's just a nightmare. And we think it's too hard. We think there's too, it's too difficult a road to get back into fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. Sometimes because that's what it's like with one another. <laughs> you know, when we break trust, when we sin against one another, it can be a long and rocky road back to fellowship and friendship because we're both sinners. But it's not like that with Jesus. Remember the parable of the prodigal son. Ah, uh, the prodigality of the father how his arms were open how he was longing for the child to return and that is how it is with us Uh, he wants us simply to return there's no uh, trial period there's no amount of time that we need to spend somehow uh, making things up to God we'll never make things up to God That's that's not the that's not the formula as it were That's not the way it is. He has done all that he has done for us freely and fully by his grace. We can add nothing to it. Sadly, we often take away from it. It may be that we come back and recognize who he is and uh, seek him and find today fellowship and uh, communion and food for our soul. Uh, Enjoy the silence of the few moments that the bread and the wine has been passed around because uh, these are good times. And uh, remember that it is a communion that we celebrate together and yet take uh, individually uh, from the bread and from the cup. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we ask and pray that as we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper today that it would be a great great, uh, celebration for us. Uh, A great time of thankfulness, a great time of um, reflection, that we would stop and think and consider our own lives, that we would be reminded of the reality that we are not promised another day, and the significance of accepting uh, what Jesus has done for us, redeeming us from the slavery of death and sin. And granting us eternal life. That doesn't change Lord. That need is always there. And you have said. It is finished. On the cross. You have done that great work of redemption. And of reconciliation. And ours is simply to receive. Help us to do that. And help us to live that. Help us to remember that the communion. Is in the context of fellowship. Fellowship. And of community and of communication and of love, of trust, of respect, of understanding and of forgiveness. And it is a testimony of personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So help us in so doing to remember these things today. In Jesus' name. Amen.